Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Always fun when we're looking at an artist edition, Ed. Marvel covers. We looked at, uh, they've done a couple of these collections and we looked at the other collections. So I think these are older covers. This is more getting into Bronze Age kind of uh, time period. Starting with Steranko's Hulk cover. One of the iconic Hulk covers. Yeah, let's crack it open, man. Like, it's it's got stuff by all kinds of good people. I'm looking at Art Adams, Gil Kane, John Byrne. Yeah, that is quite a uh, quite a selection, and even a little bit of Kirby, man. So let's let's crack this bitch open. You know, the other cover book uh, was really cool. A little bit later period, like later '80s. Not Kirby, I don't think. No. This is the uh, Marvel Treasury Edition cover, I believe. Romita. Uh, yeah, that collects like the Galactus trilogy. I see. You know, one of one of my favorite comics. So kind of cool to see that piece. Yeah, dude. Oh, that's fucking amazing Michael Golden. That. Sick. Look at how badass his stuff looks. Blown up a little bit there. Oh well, I mean, we'll see. You shall see. That's the nice thing with these Marvel cover books is that you do get everybody. There's your Kirby. But you get everybody in, in a selection like this. It's like the ultimate anthology for original art. I like the design on this. We often talk about end pages and criticize. I like showing all this stuff off Barry Windsor Smith. And here goes the guys, man. The people who own <laughs> all, the, all the pages see Dave Mandel's name in there. You heard about him in the, uh, in the um, Dave Cho, Dave Cho uh, shoot interview. I like seeing creators' names in here, where either they kept their art, or uh, you know they, they ended up collecting themselves, which would be a uh, smart move. And one of one of my regrets is that I didn't pick up more. Oh man, classic Zach! That I didn't pick up more comic art along the way. It's such a teaser. You keep it, keep it rocking, man. There are the names. Oh. There are the names. Exciting stuff, man. And Boom. Art Adams right out of the gate. That's how it works, man. The, the names are in alphabetical order, I guess, because that's how it worked the first go-around on, on the other cover book, and Art Adams let, led the charge on that. There is a... Uh, you could find process materials for the creation of this cover. Uh, Art Adams did the first pass, arranged the characters in a certain way. Jazzy John Romita was like, you know what? That's okay, but how about this? How about this? created another set of wireframes of all the characters, and then Art Adams did his piece over top of that to uh, create this iconic image that that was, this was posters in yes. uh, Kmart and shit. Like whenever I was getting comics as a little kid, and I remember like, I didn't know about this stuff that much. So this poster blew my mind, and I was always like, I know who everybody is, but this mysterious green lady. Like I didn't, I knew nothing about her, man. So I was like seeking stuff out to try to figure out like who is this crazy looking green lady. I always love these kind of parts of people's costumes where it's like almost part of the drawing, you know, figuring out how to do Banshee's uh, Banshee's marks or whatever. You'd see this in like Archangel with some of his lines and things. Um, Havoc would have that, you know, with the spheres that would come off of him. Always like that uh, some of these characters have that where it's almost like an art piece yeah. as part of their costume. And you see that uh, from a swell sketch by John Romita down here. And by the way, 1986 zine on uh, on both of these pieces. Yeah, yeah. You don't see that John Romita part like in the uh, cover of Classic X Men. One of the most iconic X Men pieces, probably this cover. Definitely. More Classic X Men covers. Some of it is uh, Art Adams inking himself, I believe. Uh, P. Craig Russell on these. Yeah, it's pretty nice to see. Really like what uh, Craig Russell's doing with uh, some of the, the shading on Art the Adams, Sentinel heads. Art Adams still still forming, you know, still becoming who he is. And it's interesting that, you know, he's associated with Mignola, P. Craig Russell and Mignola also. It makes me wonder if uh, PCR was out there on the West. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think they used to pair up like a, uh, a veteran inker or a good inker with young pencilers, you know, to sort of shape a little bit, maybe polish those rough edges. Here's some uh, Terry, Terry Austin. Man, I didn't even notice these figures in the background at first. All the uh, it's almost like second second level. I always try or admire when cartoonists are able to do that, where they really create depth in a in a in a drawing like this. A little bit of stuff getting out of hand right there, man. <laughs> That's the thing. You fret over that, or at least I fret over that kind of thing. But you don't need it. Nobody knows. No, it? of course not. Nobody's staring at that hand whenever they see this image. You really see the golden uh, when when Austin is is on the trigger, finishing it up. More classic X Men's. Building this figure, it's a really solid, good figure. Feels very sturdy. The legs kind of bending back a little bit. You never see it that way, like kind of bending back a little bit. Looking, 
this is wild. If you, if it, it, at a glance, if you told me like, show me a second of this and then take it away and say J. Scott Campbell, I'd be like, oh yeah, okay, that Absolutely. makes sense. You know, which is where you see like an Art Adams influence on the guy. Totally. Oh, we're getting old school. This is it, right? The, I mean, this the is OG Art Adams. Amazing. Cover one. Generation of influence right here. Maybe a couple generations, but do you, do you have image? Uh, image year one without long shot. Think about that Hulk comic that we looked at where, where these like knights are coming after Hulk and it was like a couple impotent little daggers. That's how you do it. That is how you do it. <laughs> that is long shot in trouble and cornered man. Shadow against the wall. Incredible stuff. Coming so up on iconic. some deadline gimmicks here man. But still has time to do the direct uh, market box. Frank Brunner. Brilliant. Underrated uh, Doctor Strange artist. I think he's in some of those Doctor Strange treasuries, and it looks really good. Yeah, yeah, real hairy, hairy style. Yeah, it's um, sketchy almost. Yeah. In a weird way, like this kind of inking probably would have done great on Gene Colan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it might even be Tom Palmer at times. Yeah, that, that would make a lot of sense. Is this uh, Busima? Yeah, I think so. Using that great, the, the uh, ultimate screen tone. Busima doing uh, superheroes against his will. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you guys just get Conan? Man, those Avenger heads are incredible. That was such... I, I, I don't know where this kind of stuff went to, you know, because it doesn't feel like we get this in modern comics. And I can't totally explain why, what it is that makes this kind of thing feel powerful and superhero comic-esque. Some power in that figure work. I think these guys that are really great, it's invisible, their greatness, in a way. Or it's 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 hard to pinpoint, like, what is it that they do? And it's like, they just do everything perfect. It's definitely taken for granted. And, and he is he is just a real swell draftsman. You know, I would have been nice to have... You know what it would have been sick is... And, and this is goes to show you that these are, like, these weird fetishists who make this book. Like, give me the front, but give me the back on the... On the uh, that would have been a, flip, an amazing detail. You know, because he's known for having like amazing pencil warm-up sketches. I was just pointing out, like you never see the little dingus p pushing against against the tights. <laughs> Something tells me that, uh, that that would be omitted by the bullpen. These are another good examples of like getting that depth, where like clearly you're focused on the foreground, but spend an extra second and see what's going on back here. Yeah. We interrupt this program pay some bills. Ed and I are both Eisner award-winning cartoonists, and here are some of our latest comics. Ed Piscor's Red Room, the anti-social network, out now, available wherever you buy books, comic shops, bookstores, online, directly from the publisher, whatever works for you. If you're into graphic violence and depravity, this is the book for you. The best outlaw horror comic being published today and available wherever comics are bought and sold. And the new series of Red Room, Red Room Trigger Warnings. Going to be a big 2022 for us, Ed. Red Room Trigger Warnings starting in February 2022. You see the main cover here. There are also variants, including my Robert Crumb homage for Trigger Warnings number one. Peach Momoko. And the uh, Retailer Incentive variant by Ed Piscor. These will be out in February. And due to some uh, ransomware issues with the distributor, these may be the most rare Red Room comics ever published. So pick these up whenever you see them. And uh, February, right around the corner, these will be in your local comic shop before you know it. So grab those at the first chance that you have. My next big project, Hulk Grand Design Monster, will be out in comic book shops March 2022. And uh, I have some marching orders for the cartoonist kayfabe faithful out there. I want this to be the most pre-ordered, subscription-held comics that your local comic shop has ever seen or dealt with. So get in your comic shop owner's face with your phone. Show them this cover. Tell them you want this book on your pool list in your subscription box. And basically make them sick of hearing about Hulk Grand Design. 40 years of incredible Hulk comics put down in two Issues Hulk Grand Design Monster and Hulk Grand Design Madness coming in April 2022. This tells about 10,000 pages of comics in a concise, super dense, and uh, hopefully well-designed 80 pages. And uh, you will want to, to uh, pick this book up. It's perfect for the new readers. It's perfect for the longtime fans. It's perfect for the fans of Cartoonist Kayfabe. So tell your local comic shop about this and uh, tell it to them 
three or four times. Sometimes you need to hear it more than once to uh, make it stick. But hey, Marvel didn't back me up with Retailer Incentive Comics. And to me, that is a slap in the cartoonist kayfabe community's face that they don't believe this is one of their top selling books. Let's change their mind. Let's prove them wrong. Let's show them what cartoonist kayfabe is all about. And we've got some great variant covers available, starting with Ed Piscor's variant for Monster here, a throwback to uh, Wolverine, first appearance of Wolverine costume-wise, but the classic, iconic McFarlane cover there. Um, that's a brilliant idea, man, and I love those greens. Peach Momoko turning into a cartoonist kayfabe darling here with uh, between Red Room and Hulk, man. That's a lot of Peach Momoko variants, and the great Marcos Martin doing the Hulk transformation cover variant. Pretty awesome. I'm a little bit jealous that he nailed this on a cover. Looks cool to me, man. You said it off the, off the bat, man. Uh, not retail incentive variants. So that means that Kayfabers, you could get every flavor that you want. It's all within your range, man. So get your hands on 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 the on the complete set. And uh, once again, man, tell your local comic shop owner Hulk Grand Design. Pre-order them for you and order them big. And now back to our regular scheduled programming. Interesting to see these things without their logos. It is, yeah, it's true. Kind of rare. I mean, it's the first ones that we've seen so far. And uh, John Byrne here now, a series of his stuff. Super solid. Super solid, you know. Look at Rubenstein's signature. Signed with a marker, I guess, and now you see it fading into red. Maybe non-archival. Screen uh, tone. Definitely not archival. Get to see that screen tone put down. Man, with the white zipatone dots. Doesn't it look like it's on vellum or something? Like, it looks hairy. It looks... Yeah, I, my first thought was, is that marker that's bled a little bit? Yeah, it probably is. I think Byrne is a guy who kind of would go through different art tools. Yeah, I think he's... I mean, at that time, he's drawn very speedily. He's drawn a lot of books, so just get the shit done. He doesn't have time to dip, dip stuff into an inkwell. This feels like that apex of his speed period, and yet I feel like this is looks amazing yeah oh shit we're getting old school once again man like we could we could cut promos on those guys but for just their arrangement of what they choose to put in here and, and like like why you know <laughs> let's let's go crazy why not put 127 right here and put 114 there <laughs> yeah or how about like put an x-men like a few pages back These Look guys, at all of this kind of stuff, like for bringing in texture. I had no idea that that, that was uh, pencil yeah. laid in there. And look at this shit right here. I feel like this was a color hold. Hey, dude, speaking of uh, cutting a little promo, she's dead, Jim. Thumbs up. <laughs> Is this what you wanted? Are you happy now? Yeah. <laughs> But who did he draw giving the thumbs up? I don't get that. Is that is that an edit, editor or something? That ain't John Byrne. That ain't Chris Claremont. Yeah, I don't know who's editing that at the time. I guess I guess maybe there was a messenger involved. <laughs> uh, yeah, these are these are strange. I don't even know what those are. Like how, how that's made. That's photostats, and you could you could do like an inverse kind of kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I forget. I think it's like a pink background if I if I remember correctly. It looks so messy here. It does. That's really bizarre. I mean, because you would you would think that it would be an overlay, like a, just like a complete different piece of of uh, paper, so that you get the color hold. Because it's not black, like on the print. Right. Yeah. S someone in production could tell us how that that works. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear a little bit more about that one. These covers print. are all really awesome. I had this one, uh, the classic X Men uh, issue of this. Yeah. Is, uh, is one that I really liked. Oh, man. Yeah, I got this stuff. Like, uh, it's uh, Dave Cockrum. I got this issue, too. Look how strange that face of the thing is. Yeah, like, it's like a Bizarro World, like, version. Oh, of, yeah, like, I guess Fantastic they all Four. are. Yeah. Wow. I think it's probably might be, like, a Keith Pollard issue. And then, of course, the lettering doesn't even look human. So good. It's perfect. So good, man. It's, it's so those, inspiring to me. Like, it makes me think, like, where's that generation of hand letters? Like, don't people see this stuff and just desperately want to do it? You all, know, aren't there artists out there that feel that? Those dudes, they all had their own, like, morgue files for, for this kind of shit. And Todd Klein kind of keeps that spirit going on, on Facebook and stuff where he just, like, grabs things, creates albums. But Phil Felix, man, the letter for the NOM, he was a teacher at the Kubert School. And he, he just had, like, a little wire um, bound, like, pasted up 
bunch of uh, title lettering and stuff that he would use for his own reference for sound effects and stuff. Makes sense. I can't believe how much stuff is going on in this cover. In yeah. a lot of these Dave Cockrum covers, man, having all those figures on there. Just very standard. Also, like, this looks like just a scribbled sketch for the debris. Yeah. Reads perfect. Jeez. This stuff is going to world color. Is that Klaus on top of uh, Colin? Yeah, I'm that looking might be for. Uh, I was looking for like an anchor signature on this one. This is Sinot on on Colin, but I don't know who's that looks over like here. Palmer faces. Yeah, it probably was. I always thought Palmer's a really good Gene Colin anchor. Oh man, <laughs> is this Everett on Colin? Is that who that is? Oh, I don't know. I love it. Whoever it is, I really like that interpretation. If it's not Everett, it reminds me a lot of some of his inks. Yeah, and then like, sharp. look at that knee. Okay, baby. <laughs> a little bit. That's pretty cool. That looks like the white zipatone. Totally, totally. Just adding that depth. Great effect. It's so cool to see this stuff too, because like, it's just not drawn. Like people, it's it's a completely different approach to cover art. Absolutely. And to rendering. Starting to get yeah. to uh, Alan, Alan Davis. Davis. That's a really iconic cover. Yeah. Really good on scale, too. Like, that's a pretty big Wolverine. You know, the hands and everything, just able to make those figures big on the cover. Yeah, I go back and forth with him, you know? Like, there's so much that I like, but then uh, I think it's probably mostly the, the X-Men stuff that there's, like, a softness to the lines that doesn't speak to... Like, I like more... I don't know. I, I don't want to say I like angularity, but there's, like, a bubbliness. Dude. You can see how you go from like like Burn on X Men and how Alan Davis makes perfect sense. Alan Davis is a guy that I didn't really read, and I hear it from people. You know, like I think I was just after a bunch of his stuff. Yeah, and, uh, clandestine is pretty cool. If you're if you if you read his stuff, I feel like he's a guy that is near and dear to you, and uh, probably somebody worth me digging out some stuff like clandestine. How uh, how sharp is fucking John Romita, dude? I, I love his it's, stuff. It's it's nearly Charles Burns level it of is. inking ability. Getting these straight lines with a brush. Yeah. You fucking kidding me? That's amazing. Yeah, like that that metal stuff relies on that kind of crisp, sharp edges. And then Spider-Man. Unusual, I think, that you get a good hero back shot, like for a cover. So good. This is a, this is a great one, too. Man. Is that, for, is that Friends with... Uh, Jansen. Friends and Jansen. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. I like Jansen's ink on him. I probably like like uh, Jansen ink on anybody but it's cool to see him on friends I think a friends is kind of soft in that Ramita tradition and to put somebody like Jansen on there you get a little bit more of that texture on top of it very flattering this this got away from him a little bit <laughs> a little bit I was looking at um what building is this uh, is this Empire <laughs> why'd you ask <laughs> well here's why I was looking at like uh pictures of, of this building and it reminds me of a rapidograph it was like a silhouette uh, background. <laughs> like, I sort of got, last time I was in New York, man, like, uh, Fanta put me up at a hotel, like, right across the street from uh, Empire State Building. And I was like, why are all the people staring up at that building? And, and, and then I, like, went on Google and was like, Empire State Building? Oh, that's why. My golden. Yeah. Now that's some fun shit. Yeah, I got his color holds, dude. So, like, he doesn't have to draw the propeller blades of, of the helicopter. Uh, that'll just be cut out in color and he's the dude doing the color uh on a lot of these things so uh he he's it's making sense to him look at these like proportions on these guys all of it like there there are like separate stories going on all around this cover it's incredible this again is that depth thing where it's like there's a there's a whole thing going on right here there's a thing going on here this is incredible the helicopters and then i look over on this page and pretty soon i'm sucked in over here love the blade like going off fading out into the lines Pretty simple, too, if you look at those lines, like how easy it is for him to make that transition from black to disappearing. Yeah. And all of the grass, where it's like that uniform line weight, I don't know, think that's a rapidograph that he's drawing those those blades of grass with? Yeah, maybe. Like, I mean, it's a very deadline, and, and it's like thicker and thinner, so there's, it, I mean, it's pen. It's it's definitely pen. I, this is definitely rapidograph. These bits here. That's incredible. And just, I love the, the teeth drawn on the helicopters. The little details like that are great. Just perfect tech. Almost silhouette on that background helicopter. Perfect tech. Phenomenal. All right, we're getting to the Gil Kane section of the gimmick. This, this is a transition period of Gil Kane where he's getting deeper and deeper into his Burn Hogarth. 
interests. That's pretty cool. Gil Kane and John Romita team up. He did so many covers. Like, that was a guy I would always read about doing uh, a lot of covers. You know, almost like just as a cover, not just as a cover artist, but being almost like that preferred treatment, you know, like get Gil Kane on the cover. Love, love his signature. How badass does that look there? <laughs> yeah, these figures are like, you could tell that he's interested in anatomy, but he's not tying it all together yet or something. Kind of like that, that part. I like also the way, like, for a black costume or that dark blue costume, how he's handling the black shading in there. Yeah. It's wild. Pushing the figure about as far as you can go. It's the way Bern Hogarth would do, man. That's awesome. Once again, that's Kane, but he's from that school or sort of like adopted that school like later into his his work he was very journeyman early on like you could interchange him with murphy anderson or any of those dudes in the old adam days but he really started figuring some stuff out um is this an homage to the giant size x-men that's a callback <laughs> right looks like you know look at the knuckles figure out how to draw those knuckles that's great stuff. There it is. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends which one came first. And if so, it's an homage to his own shit, because he, cause he drew it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Jeez. Incredible that this is just in a book. As, as, you know, like, not the centerpiece, not the cover. Talk about a wealth of riches that we have here. Ed. Yeah, I mean, I mean... What a time we live in, that this is what you can just get 100 pages of this. 15, 20 million dollars worth of artwork. Oh, man. Amazing. Mind-blowing. This is your whole, uh, this is your whole, like, master's degree. Some licensed material. Not exactly a cover, but cardboard standee, Chef Boyardee spokesman, under roof. Man, that's another 1986 piece. Love seeing the oversize. It's gotta be Zek. Yeah. Trying to show these giant pieces is kind of a challenge, but... That's so cool. Yeah, you can even see it tapers at the end. A little feathering out at the end. Yeah. To give that nice white top edge. Not exactly Charles Byrne, but that kind of feathering is, is that effect I always associate with, like, really making... It's so hard to go from black to white, mm -hmm. you know? And so, like, these guys that, that do it in different parts, so great, like, on these folds. Breaking our guys up with texture. And then and the, the wonderful screen tone, making that shield feel metallic. That's a dark screen. Like, I wonder if you would... I'd, I'd like to see how that printed, but that feels dangerous. Man, Zek did so many of these kind of covers that are just phenomenal. Yeah, I don't think that's the last we'll see of him in here. I would hope not. Is this Kirby? Yeah, this looks Kirby. I think that last one was Gil Kane. And then I think this goes into Kirby here. But it's a weird Kirby. There's some inker on top of it who I'm not familiar with. You know, yeah. there's some weird things happening. It actually looks like John Romita, maybe. I can't tell. Some of the early, cat, like when, he, when he's doing Captain America in this time period... Um, is it Giacoa yeah. that inks a bunch of his stuff? And it's... One of the great things of Kirby is just how different these different inkers, what they would bring out. But some of these marks are a little bit uh, a little bit outside of my normal thought of Kirby. Yeah, and, and it, it looks like they're cleaning up his faces a bit. That's an amazing piece, man. It's, it's so well composed with him in the middle like that. So great. <laughs> I love this time period. Joe Sinna with the signature on that one. Stan Lee with the signature on that one. <laughs> yeah, he'd come by, he'd do a cover or two, man, but... Yeah, this must be like, whenever Kirby comes back from DC, I feel like he did some really cool covers. And I think this is that time period. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's definitely that time period. And the crazy thing is like, you think you've seen it all? I've never seen this cover in the wild. Yeah. Yeah, Tigra. <laughs> Marvel Chillers. Played by Anne Nocenti on that Spider-Woman photo cover. I feel like you could do an episode of just like the three or four Kirby pieces that are in this book. Oh, yeah. It's so easy to get sucked into them. 
Believe it or not, man, like if I just showed you a piece and said, it, like, who do you think that is, man? Mignola would never come to mind. No. You know who I'd give you is like a Kevin, Kevin Nolan? Nolan. Yeah, Especially like that face feels very Kevin Nolan-esque. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I like that cover, though. Really nice. Where you do see the Mignola is the uh, that powerful black spotting, the black mm -hmm. and white composition. It's neat to see him develop because you'll see those little bits of him even though stylistically he's a long way from where, where he is today. He talks about his rights and influence, and there was that hooky Spider-Man comic with this kind of amorphous blob monster. So that's a little of the, the rights in. That uh, Mundello is not a name I recognize. I really like the treatment of the lines on here. I'm looking at the Mignola signature, and I'm looking at that, and I think he's the same person. Oh, that could be. That makes sense. That doesn't look like... It looks like the same hand on both of those signatures. Yeah, there's a lot I like in that piece. A lot of the finishing there. There you go. Mignola that, and, and Nolan teaming that, up. That's sick as hell, dude. Yeah, it's super cool. That's really rad. The Mignola composition is on point here. You know, the arrangement. It's incredible that, like, this skeleton's not all black. And it's so rich for it. Like, that little bit of light that's hitting some of the bones really gives you a little depth on that skeleton. This is a fascinating uh, lesson in directional devices also because when you learn about that stuff in like an illustration class then for two weeks like the kids will be having stop signs and all kinds of stuff like <laughs> yeah. pointing at your kid but like you know that's a directional device this character is, is pointing toward our main guy you know this frame around him it's all pointing but it's not so obvious and so in your face the other piece I would point to is skeletons, very iconic in silhouette. He is twisting this thing all up. Oh yeah. But it still reads. Oh yeah. That's a that's a that's an impressive silhouette for uh, a shape for that skeleton, and he's becoming himself here. Feels like a P. Craig Russell there on your inks. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful cover. Love it. That does feel like him. Yeah. Nineteen ninety one. So he's getting to that point, and um, you're seeing some of like you know some curvy dots working in there. Makes me think like this is after uh, the uh, cosmic. Oh, Odyssey, yeah, yeah, yeah. After he's internalized some Kirby lessons there to put on the page. This issue of the original, uh, when Dave Cockrum comes back, uh, was my first X Men comic. Oh wow! With binary. The classic X Men. No, no, no. The the original. Did you find it? It was like in the eighties. No, no. Like it was. Huh. Yeah, it was in the eighties. Man, you were a young reader then. My parents would just buy me that shit like toys, dude. Hey, man. Little Hulk, Hulk Grand Design, uh, Frank Miller here on the page. This stuff, like like getting the wrist bones to connect to the hand, I always struggle with that. Because there is this like little batch of tendons and mm -hmm. all that stuff. It looks good here. Yeah, it looks really good. These are tough, too, where it's like, it's just an arm. You don't have a lot to work with to make it look cool. Yeah, but when you get that close-up, you got to make the shit make sense, man. Because now you, you're forced into drawing that. And, and I sort of know the exact George Bridgman constructive anatomy image that he looked at to like achieve that little piece. Like I've redrawn that a lot of times in my life. Fantastic, like the shadow of the Hulk, too. So you're getting like background Hulk. Middle ground Daredevil, foreground Hulk. Like a really good exploitation cover. I think we're double dipping on this. Double dipping on the John Byrne X-Men's with that grease pencil thing. Like there was, there was a John Byrne artisan edition of X-Men. So we're getting to that stage with artist editions where... Miller did a bunch of these kind of covers that are kind of stripped down. Maybe we'll see more of them in here or they're in the, in the artifact edition or whatever. But like it's such a simple piece. And I feel like that's a time when, you know, we've seen some of these covers where there's like seven, eight figures and foregrounds and backgrounds. Like, this is a real standout at the time. It's it's the norm to this day to just, like, have so much going on on your covers. So if you just have one single compelling piece, like... I love... I always love this one. Yeah. Yeah, for it's sure. It's so perfect with the end written in blood on the wall. And once again, this would be a color hold, I believe. A sur a, right. a surprint. So it's, it's very curious to see this stuff like I, I feel like this might have been put on after you know to just try to make it a holistic piece because it's clearly a separate piece mm -hmm. of paper um so maybe when they were selling it or something because like how do you how do you separate that to create the surprint because because yeah, no each of these little bits too like you're just not cutting that 
Anyhow. Get to see him working on Duo Shade. Yeah. I feel like everybody went, must have gone through that phase whenever the Duo Shade shows up. I don't know. You don't like, see too many people experiment. with that stuff. But, but like, man... How cool is that? On a whole piece, like uh, Frank Miller's rich. Yeah, he's doing doing well at this point. <laughs> I can afford an $8 page of that shit. 1982, were royalties happening at that point? Nah, nah, because he, uh, he went to DC, man, because they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll give you the hookup. This kind of big thing, too. One thing happening, big and bold. You can see that from across the room looking at the spinner rack. Speaking of which, yeah, exact same kind of formula. It's just this giant piece to draw your attention. Yeah, this this is like one of the most iconic things to me. This might be one of the first Frank Miller Daredevil images I, I've seen, and uh, sticks with you. It sure does. Love this too. Drawing in white, you know, early Sin City technology there on the page. <laughs> and and this this is like his. He did that Spider-Man drawing not too long ago, where where mm -hmm. the, the he did a whole different treatment with the webs, and that's kind of that's kind of the deal. Yeah, I wonder if this is a little breakthrough whenever he's drawing it and just being free to play around, play with line in a way that your typical comics don't. Because if you look at like those abs, it feels like those abs are too narrow. Mm -hmm. It works so well in the context of an illustration like this, but it's it's fuzzing the uh, the sort of the anatomical details. Yeah. Jeez! Wow, another great one. The uh, was it Throne of Blood or Kajimusha? Uh, like one of those Kurosawa joints. Mm -hmm. When our boy gets plucked. That's that's amazing. This is probably the epitome of that kind of approach of just the one figure, super simple. You know, the whole Wolverine miniseries. Yeah, all of, of that, it, man. The, 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 come here. Here's your Kevin Nolan, you know? I love Nolan stuff. He's a fun follow because he posts a lot of, like, it'll be a cover or whatever, but he'll post a sketch and then his pencils, and, and uh, I enjoy that a lot. Yeah, like, he, he had chops. Like, like, he was respected from the jump or something, and, and, like, it's like he knew his speed. He never did much, you know? Yeah, it's true. It's always... um. You know, it's that Art Adams quality, maybe without that name legacy, but you'll find, like, the fill-in issue or whatever. It's right. always something to, that I'll go and try to pick up when I hear he has some fill-in issue out there. This, this to me, is a certain era of Marvel. You know, like like a Plug cover. Totally, the 70s stuff. Like, like when you have the, the two Steves writing everything, Steve Gerber and Steve Englehart, like, then, yeah. then what comes are, like, these very specific... Uh, artists and I I pick up like that uh, first volume of Ghost Rider like these so you get a bunch of his covers on that stuff this dude Sandy Plunkett is a fan favorite of a of us of a certain era another guy who hasn't done much but uh, like in comic artist magazine there's like whole articles about him showing off like you know all of the very small amount of things that, that he did and like really really singing his praises i can see how this would be a popular uh line you know like it feels like studio attention you know the studio in terms of like doing these kind of like lines almost noodly line work the whole the whole finish of it though i've never seen this cover before including you know all these shapes and stuff it, it feels like ambitious fanzine art or something like like you know clearly professional but there's enough weird stuff to it that you see in like portfolios in the fanzine space. Man, I feel like I got this issue. I, I could reach behind me and just grab that issue. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a, a group, again, a couple years older than me that like this is some of their favorite stuff. Yeah, didn't Liefeld and like Kirkman put together a Kill Raven comic or something for Marvel? I don't know. It wouldn't surprise it. me if they did. Because it is a name that comes up. Like, it's definitely a group that loves this stuff. And it was just... I've never read it. And I have it, but i just never read it. Maybe How about I should. that? There's, like, this whole period of Spider-Man comics where if they're not using a Ditko villain, there's all these real stupid ones <laughs> until Hobgoblin. And then, like, the Hobgoblin turns into nothing. You know? Like, a Hobgoblin, when, when I was a little kid, was so freaking cool. Who is he? What's this guy right. about? 
they would tease it on the cover. There, there's got to be at least five covers where it shows the mask being held. Like, talk about, like, abusing your audience. Right. And then when they show it, it's like, what? Who? How does that make sense? That's a pretty badass cover. Not bad. Not I bad. love all the flames coming up. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's, a nice it's, a, it's, a, it's a power comic by yeah. John Romita. Yeah, man, totally. <laughs> I wouldn't mind his artist edition. I feel like that would be a sweet one. Mm -hmm. That's a great cover. His back of Spider-Man is like, it's almost, it's so iconic. It is. Yeah, it absolutely is, man. And like... You can really learn a lot from how he puts together those legs because he has he has a basic big shapes down and then he just, you know, kayfabes some of those little ligaments and stuff. And I also think like these kind of big fat lines shouldn't work. They work beautiful. They, they look so good on, on his work. Yeah. And when you see it printed, it's like perfect. But like you would never have the balls to make that bold of a line. No. We got some ambitious work here. Great, great pieces. Got foom cover drawn small. He's too he's too cute. You know? He's too um too what's the word I'm looking for, man? It's it's just it feels uh like propaganda or something. <laughs> it's very clean. Sometimes when I see this it's like I can almost make a line to like a Dave Gibbons. Yeah, Where exactly. It's, like it's, it's it's very classic figures. You know, you it's very it clean. Yeah, yeah. He's he's the most clean and kind of crisp of the Marvel people. Like that would be a standard at DC. Now he's different because he has a bolder brush. Those guys are much thinner and stuff. And he's got his style, but he's like the cleanest of of like the Marvel bullpen. I love that shit, man. Like. Like, the Invaders is something that I would think about a lot because of that uh, Marvel Abrams book when you would see those Joe Manili yeah. covers and just see how nuts they were and how all that stuff is going on. And they've... When people do Invaders, like, they try... They look at that Manili stuff and try to do their version. Nobody to this day... Alex Ross, like, name them. They can't touch that Manili stuff. Like, whatever that guy brought to the table has not been able to be replicated. Or uh, Alex Schomburg. Alex Schomburg is who, is who I mean, actually. And there's your uh, Treasury Edition Fantastic Four. Might have been my first Treasury that I picked up because that was when I all I'd hear about is Kirby Fantastic Fours and they were impossible for me to find. And then the Galactus story is like the greatest, the apex. Um, and it's so cool in that big oversized format. That's true. Lots of Ramita up in his bitch, man. That's nice. I'm not going to complain about that. Cool to see him doing these kind of like Tower of Shadows. Uh, you know, it's a bygone era, right? Is this, this is the uh, Steranko story is in this one, right? The, I mean, uh, that's the name of it. Yeah, and that's the dude. That's the dude and the chick. Wow. It looks influenced by Steranko. Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. wonder if they had that Steranko story in hand whenever he's drawing it. JRJR ink by Bob Leeton. Not very JRJR-ish. Yeah, not yet. I was trying to figure out, like, is this, like, burn inking Ramita or something? <laughs> it's such a strange, uh, kind of a strange time period for, for him as an artist. Um, much more JRJR yes. starting to emerge here. Yes, sir. What a great cover this is. And that's, uh, that's Al Williamson on the inks. Like, look at this kind of stuff. Just, dude, that is markers. It's incredible, like, the different textures from, like, the fishnets to these like the grassy straw stuff coming up through Whew. i love that era this is we should we should we need to find some kind of story in there that uh that fits well to show off i mean any I issue could do any issue could do and then and, and, pretty, pretty and then, nice and then let's just put an older uh i mean uh yeah an older jr jr comic let's put them all out of order yeah <laughs> that's true i actually think i know know what they're doing um no i don't because i thought well maybe it's it's uh alphabetical order by title but no it's not <laughs> actually i guess maybe it's co instead of marvel superhero let me just see i'm curious yeah i think that's what they did to just get it all out of order which is fucking stupid p craig russell 
No idea what comic that is. Yeah, it's one of those uh, Kill Raven weird, weird worlds uh, bullshits. Oh, dude. Wow. Dude. Sienkiewicz. He's another fun follow. He was posting, like, back... I saw him post some back covers of uh, Moon Knights. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Like, the stuff he's doing, like... And you can see some of it, you know? Like, some of those marks are just... Think of... Go from John Romita to this kind of mark. You know, from that polished, uh, thick thin thick thin line to just like scratching out pen lines and hatching and and he's playing with friskets and stuff put a layer of frisket do a little spatter peel it off do another layer peel it off do some more and so that like the most the most masked part helps create the white Mm -hmm. and then you just keep peeling layer by a layer by a layer uh it's Gotta imagine a lot of this gets lost in reproduction. You know, like this, I I'm not, I don't know about this cover. Yeah, but but it's a cover, so it's on that glossy paper. So that's like one um, one pitch in its favor. Uh, many of these covers printed in black and white. Another stroke yeah. that might mean that that uh, the fidelity gets captured a lot. Uh, I I have the run. Uh, we should probably do a cover to cover. That'd be fun. Uh, uh, set it. A set of um, videos, but I would stretch it even further and do cover to cover and show all the Bill Sienkiewicz Moon Knights, but then immediately on the same video, go to um, the New Mutants covers, which which I have, because you see him, the evolution, yeah. you see him turn into the Bill Sienkiewicz that, that we knew from the 80s. I would love that as a video, um, and, and you know, one more comment on here is I like how he's painting with white to get these uh, lights, yeah, man. because they're fuzzy and stuff, and it's kind of like light when you look at it and you get a halo around it, or yeah. it blurs a little bit, uh, it really pops. That's a great, man, I love it. What can you say? <laughs> like, Walt Simonson's most iconic cover, maybe? You know, it's so funny, like, I never noticed the lightning bolt. Really badass, I never there. did either. Amazing. That's, you know, this is similar to that Miller stuff. It's it's a few years later, 83 there, but that idea of like one big character at a time when story covers and uh, m- more chaos was normal. Pretty simple focus on a character, two characters, one action, uh, and big. Yeah. I think that's a uh, Kirby homage. Yes. Versus Mangog or Magog or whatever. Yeah, I think that's been done too by a few people. Eddie Campbell did one. I think. I, I think I, yeah, I think Friends did uh, one with Ulick. So good though, and some of these kind of marks, pretty abstract. Abstract is a word that comes to mind when I think of Simonson. Yeah, that's great. BWS. Love seeing these. Let us get the uh, art. Let us get the um, Weapon X Artist Edition already. Where's it at? Come who's, on. Who's got those pages? You know, those are 90s pages. Like, you know there are good good images of those things around. Yeah. These are great, though. I've, I've bought a couple of copies of this one. Moving into that Adastra in Africa style. He was a guy that blew my mind. First time I saw his work way into his career, but it was just different than everything else I had ever seen. In totally. So distinct. I mean, what an iconic piece. I guess there's several of his that you could hold up and be like, this is the most iconic Barry Windsor Smith cover, but that's a list. Not just one of those. Starlin's one of those guys that, like, figured out, like, where all the muscles go and and let you know. So emotive, his figures. It's great these guys that know anatomy can really bend the, the character into those kind of poses. I always love the insanity of this. And and these guys were not shy about their chemical endeavors and stuff like that, man. And, like, so what's the drug <laughs> that allows you to have so much focus or whatever to, like, do that? Because, like, cause like, meth wasn't out then, and people weren't really fucking with Adderall. Then. This is so good. It reminds me of, like, fanzine kind totally. of art. And, and, of course, he comes up from that stuff, and it just shows here. Like, it just feels like the fan who's really good and gets his shot and gets to do, like... I mean, this would be a fanzine comic if it weren't for Marvel being willing to pay for it, and it just comes through. A lot of enthusiasm on that page. I have very few of the actual, like, color, proper pamphlet floppy issues, but I have the Warlock Essential that has the complete story. Uh, Man, like, that would be fun to to look at uh, here because the level of 
the dude was shooting a shot. He was going hard, yes. doing his absolute best. And you see it on every page. But um, that Magus, he really looked like Richard Simmons. <laughs> the hair did, did not look intimidating at all. I have the, uh, you know, they put out those like six issue, like the, uh, I don't know what they would call them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prints yeah, on yeah, nice paper. paper. That's what I have the Warlock on. It would be fun to look at that series because, man, is that a beautiful one. Yeah. Steranko and Sinot. That's a fun team up. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, he take he takes all of Starenko's quirks out of it though. You know, you want this shit because because this feels like fan fan art in a way. Like Star when Starenko's allowed to just be Starenko, like there's so much like weird and 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 odd about it. Yeah, that's just a wild cover by any standards. If you showed up today with that, I feel like that would stand out. It um, you need you need the title to say Hulk because it, it's like. It's just a dude, you know. Like it doesn't feel like Hulk, if, and it feels like a little person. It's uh, a big head. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, but I mean, so I caught himself. You know, is this, <laughs> is this like posing himself from the? Well, if he was posing, his leg would be up higher. Like the head would still be there, but he'd be resting his leg up on that <laughs> dinner table. How he does. I do love these guys that get like their time period to do covers. You know, where you get to see him uh, flexing on some of these different things. Yeah. Yeah, That's a pretty great cover. It is, but it's not the one you want. Like you want the Polaris, you know, like the the iconic Polaris cover. But he did design the iconic X Men logo. A lot of people sleep on that. A lot yeah, of people for, forget that, man. But I mean, you know, he probably got paid twenty bucks if he got paid at all. Because Marvel, you never paid me for my X Men uh, logo that I drew. Um, but I mean, Jesus, like it's an it's an it's a Nike swoosh of Marvel Comics. That's a nice cover. Trimpy. Love that. Trimpy with maybe mm, I was Inky. gonna say I was gonna say John Severin. Yeah, I, I wonder inking himself maybe? I mean nobody bothered to sign. Yeah, because he's lines. Hard to tell. Interesting to these guys it would be like pencilers ninety percent of the time, but they'd ink themselves. Every now and then you'll see something pop up with their own inks. George Tusca. He's another guy from from the Steve era of uh of Marvel, even though he was around way before. Got to get some Bernie Wrightson in there. Yeah, man, you put any Bernie Wrightson in there, that means you get to put his name on the cover. That's awesome. Good piece. Nice double lighting. Yeah, beautiful. He really considers lighting a lot. He's very good at that. That's what makes a horror artist. Do you have uh, Craven's Last Hunt? I don't. I've never read it. Yeah, like I, I don't have it either. I just borrowed it. And the art is, I mean, it's it's stellar. Zek draws most of that. I think he draws all of it, but I could, wow. I could, I could be wrong. That's um, a stunning piece. Yeah. There's another one with some attention to light. Like, look at that light being cast on that stuff. That for stuff sure. Rhino. You know, like the earliest Mike Zek that stuff that I would see would be in Wit's End, the Wally Wood uh, fanzines, with with actually now I think about it, with um, Walt Simonson had had pieces in there. Wolverine has like I don't know half a dozen or so of these kind of combat covers that are like. That's the cover. Do you remember uh, this cover specifically? I remember Dean Haspel was commissioned to do some piece of commercial work. And uh, he it does not have a style like this. Closer to, say, Bruce Tim, if you're not familiar with him. Or, or like a like a, like a Toth or something. Like yeah. Batman animated series style type shit. And they kept making him do revisions to the point where he's like, sh like show me what you want. And then they sent him this cover. <laughs> Uh, like, yeah, make it look like that. And he's like, well, I don't draw that way. Right. <laughs> Dude, shout outs to John Beatty on inks on this because, like, the, the fine ink work, spectacular, man. Really yeah. beautiful stuff. Yeah. The I was always um, perplexed by, like, the mail. Like, like it wasn't until, like, John Cassidy came, came, up, came a long way later and actually made it, like, knight in armor chain mail. Because, like, I never right. really understood. And he had many iterations of action figure like the um the secret wars toys they just didn't even have it at all but the ones that came out in the 90s it would be just like pimples or something like right. very, very like uh hard, hard to d decipher so cool the texture the difference between like the male and the and the hair yeah that's a great piece and i always love uh this is the one that, that fife called out at heroes right and a, and a fan showed up with oh it. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite cartoonist kayfabe stories one, one of those things man like you like the lesson is have a abundance mentality, man, and don't keep shit to yourself because he was afraid that people were going to like buy it up. And it's like, no, kayfabe doesn't work that way, man. You call something out, like it manifests in your life. 
You know why people love this stuff and they want to share it? Like they want another person who's in love with it to yeah. uh, to hang out. So iconic, perfect. The the white Zach really killed a bunch of covers. Like, yeah, that guy was on point for yeah. this stuff. Yeah, his GI Joe covers were the shit. Yes. How That's about great. This shit? I love this. Masters of Kung Fu, one of the underrated art series that, I, that Marvel's done. I pulled my uh, my Gene Day issues for future for future episodes. There's some gold in those issues. Every issue. Yeah. I mean, the guy went for it, literally with 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 all he had. Yes. Rest in peace, man. That's beautiful. Wow. What a book, Ed. Jim. What a collection. I fucking love this shit, man. Going through this stuff. Oh, oh man, thank you. that's so cool. So smart. Love these logos. I would buy a book of all these logos. It's coming out. Like, uh, that Bwam dude, like, I, I sent quotes for, like, pull quotes and shit for him. Like, no way. He, he's actually working with Marvel. Man, I feel like the thing was, well, I guess COVID probably, like, fucked, fucked up schedules and shit like that. But, yeah, like, that Bwam Instagram, which everybody should be following, B-W-H-A-M, uh, like he's working with them and putting together a book of just like the most primo hand lettering sound effects like all that stuff it's, it looks like an amazing coffee table i am book. buying that i am pre-ordering that uh as soon as i see it you know he worked with chip kid on on like the uh watching the watchman monograph right. book so the dude the dude he's just he's got that graphic design eye that's just impeccable and uh that I, I can't wait to see that book yeah that's super exciting news that's cool this shit always makes me want to get right back to the drawing boards jimmy we got to get out of here man kayfabers like follow subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell we'll notify you when new vids are available what is out there jimmy join me on patreon.com slash jim rug where i am just covering hulk grand design stuff uh process artwork behind the scenes and call to the cartoonist kayfabe faithful out there tell your local comic shop to pre-order hulk grand design right now is the time to get those pre-orders in and uh, i want it to be the most pre-ordered book that these comic shops have seen ever so bug them tell your local comic shop to pre-order it put it in your subscription box hulk grand design man that's the marching order show marvel what cartoonist kayfabe is all about that's right man like uh, let's get the kayfabe effect to work in our favors one time <laughs> absolutely how about that shit man uh the biggest selling Fantagraphics comic, Red Room, the anti-social network, thank you, Kayfabers, uh, is is out in the wild uh, as we speak. I appreciate everybody who put that on their Christmas list, and you all must have been naughty boys and girls because, goddammit, you all got it as <laughs> gifts, and I'm super appreciative of that. Thank you so much. Uh, the 2022 season of Red Room Comics is called Trigger Warnings. Same deal. Everything completely self-contained. Start going to start coming out in February monthly basis you could read those comics right now at this very minute on my patreon i serialize new strips every tuesday uh, or put in some pre-orders at the fanographics website go to your comic shop whenever you're bugging them to pick up these uh these these hulk comics get red room put on that pull list also jimmy and i have link trees in the description below this video where you can get to all of our stuff what else jim subscribe to the cartoonist kayfabe e-newsletter also at the links below this video and you can find cartoonist kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise below this video all right man give them those marching orders we're going to be on our way make more comics <laughs>